And now, it's time to begin your week. Good morning and welcome to Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, the entire web experience of MagnificatMedia.com. The kit and the caboodle. <laughs> the, the, not just the shell, but the nut inside the shell as well. That'd be me. I'm the nut. Hi, I'm Mike. She's Lisa. We're your morning tradition. Yes, we are. And this is where we are. Living our faith. What's a caboodle, anyway? I don't know. And what's a kit? A your kit, kit and caboodle. And caboodle. There's one for Mr. Garrison. Maybe like your caboose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, you know what? I think here's okay. Now what? this this is you're gonna. If I'm right, you're gonna think, Mike, you're a genius. I already think that, Mike. Really? Do you? Yeah, really? I do. Thank you. You're welcome. I think it has to do with World War One, and Ooh. your kit was what you carried with you. Your stuff, your caboodles, what you carried it in, or something like a caboodle was. This is stuff you carried. So when you went, you you brought the kit and the caboodle. Could be. And I think it's an English term. That's something we should ask Mr. Garrison, but not today. Not today. Because we have some very special go, things to talk about today. Yes. All right. Well, we hope your weekend went well. Today technically doesn't exist, by the way. Yeah, technically. <laughs> Every four years it does. Yeah. Today's Leap Day, and the people born on this day are called Leaplings. Oh, really? I just found that out. Yeah, when I was doing leaplings. research. Leaplings. Leaplings. I don't know if I'd like to be called a leapling. It's like about... a. It's like a some kind of... Uh, of a uh, little lizard. Yeah, That's leapling what I think. doesn't sound right. Leap babies. Leap babies. I didn't even like that. And so some folks embrace it. Some folks really don't like it. I don't know. I don't to blame me, it's just your birthday's <laughs> when your birthday is. Whatever. Most leaplings, leap babies, celebrate uh, outside of leap year, either on the 28th or the 1st. So there you go with that. Um, one time I did this radio bit before I knew you. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, it was before I knew you. I did this radio bit where... I had Leap Babies. We threw a big party for them, a birthday party, because they only get one once every four years. So we had a birthday cake and lunch and everything. Nice. It was beautiful. I bet they appreciated that. They just got a free meal. They didn't. And who mind. doesn't like that? Exactly. Cake, ice cream, a big party. It said Leap Babies on the cake. Yeah. Had it catered, and then we had a big group photo, which I wasn't in because I'm not a Leap Baby. But... It was fun. So, Lee Babies, unite. Enjoy yourself. Today for you, uh, here on your morning tradition, we have, of course, uh, Stephen Cox comes along later with news. How the world changed and formed over the weekend. There were, boy, South Carolina primaries. There were... Makes your head spin. Yeah. The, the world does change quickly. We're not going to talk really much about the Oscars at all because we didn't watch them. We don't watch TV at our house. And I don't think most people I do. I don't think really... But you can follow it on the internet and stuff and you, you can get could. that this morning. I'm probably the revenant that uh, that uh, Leo DiCaprio movie probably did real well. There is a oh. movie that was up for uh, Oscars, though, six different Oscars, called Spotlight. This is the Michael Keaton movie. And this has to do with, the, it was nominated for Best Picture, among other things. Mm. This is the one that has to do with the... Um, the uh, the uh, priest? Yeah, the, the scandal, the priest sex scandal. Ah. And the Boston Globe. Mm. And all of that. So, um, Jim Morlino from Navi's Pictures. Yes. I talked to him, uh, and he hadn't seen the movie yet. Okay. Because I wanted to get his take on it. Yeah. As sort of a movie review. And he said, once he sees it, then he'll let us know, and then and, and we can go on. He didn't feel comfortable talking about it, obviously, not having seen the movie. 
Right, sure. So, But we're not going to talk really about Oscars today. What we're going to talk to you about is evolution. And we won't be doing much of that talking. Uh, our good friend, Mr. Garrison, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Robert, Robert Garrison F. is going to be joining us mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut. And usually he talks a lot of history, but it's, it's sort of intertwined a little. Mm-hmm. In that, uh, you've got, of course, you've got Charles, Charles Darwin, and I'm sure we'll touch a little on that. But you've got Piltdown Man, you've got Peking Man, you've got all these different fossils that they find, these different whatever man. Um, many of which have been proven to be hoaxes. Exactly. But... Um, we're going to see and how... don't you have a book on one of them? I do. It's called The Death of Evolution. And I don't know who wrote it, but if you get a chance, find that. Some chapels, some of the chapels have it in their library. Yeah. That's where I got mine. Uh, look at The Death of Evolution. Because it, it actually goes through and talks about the, the people who were involved in those hoaxes. Right. Who later came out and said, yeah, we faked it. But they don't teach that. They still <laughs> teach the theory, quote, theory... Of evolution, but they as don't fact. teach it as a theory anymore. They teach it as fact. Right, that's what I'm saying. It, well, you know, we've got generations upon generations of children that have grown up this way, yeah. and that's the travesty yeah. of it all. Yeah. And so that's why I think we wanted to touch base on the real truth. So Mr. Garrison is going to join us, and we'll talk a little bit about how science. Science is science, science. But I think science and history and religion can all come together i think it all intertwines Mm -hmm. actual science um and history and and see that a lot of uh, there are academics who will tell you and people you work with will tell you that no those three you got to keep them separated you can't have history and science and and uh and religion together They're, they're different things they put religion out here as sort of a mystical magical thing you know what i mean yeah so anyway we're going to talk about that with mr garrison coming up a little bit later on. And then, Lisa, on a practical note, mm-hmm. uh, there is a man with the world's biggest feet. Can you imagine what it would be like to have humongous feet and not be a clown? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Think yeah. about that. I, I, I didn't know that. I can only imagine. Where would you get shoes? I think you'd have to have them specially made. And there's the story coming up later. Okay. How about that? But right now, this is the part of the... Uh, Morning Tradition Show, which, by the way, if you are brand new here to our little radio station and your morning tradition and what we do, because we ran into people over the weekend didn't even know we existed. Oh, sure. we'd have, That happens all the time. And they went, oh, you guys do, and there's this thing or that what? Traditional Catholic radio? Well, it's online, yes. Really, where do I find that? So tell your friends, because it's organic the way the audience has built mm-hmm. and continues to do so. And so what we do is this little morning show here. It's a fun sort of morning show, informative and fun and things, you know. And then later on, we have uh, Father Peter Scott. We'll do a conference at noon. The Council of Trent. Uh, we have the Catechism of the Council of Trent. Right. We Isn't have, that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Prayers throughout the day, liturgical music, chant. We have the tip. Tip of the day, homeschooling tip, tip of the of week. week. Yeah. Uh, what else, Lisa? We have lots of good stuff. Yeah. We have learning about your Roman liturgy. Mrs. Weigel does a bedtime story for your kids later. At night. So we welcome you if you're brand new. And I bring that up because I, we often forget that there are people every day that, oh, there's this thing. There's this thing, Magnificat Radio. So we found some people over the weekend that didn't know. And they knew us. Right. And there's a broadcast schedule inside under radio yes on the website yes you can find so that up right the there look up at the, while you're looking at us kind of reduce the radio thing right now or move it off to the side and look up at the top yeah. that little menu there 
yep, show right archives there. and stuff. But really, right now, I like to, speaking of history, ask you, Lisa. Yes. How can we know where we're going? If you don't know where you've been. That's why we do this day in history, you see. So We have made history. Any day in history. Day that will go down in history. History of this day. This day in history. This day in history. Today happens to be February the 29th. Yes, it is the last day of the year. Or the last day of February. <laughs> You're jumping <laughs> the gun. Hello. Last day of February, <laughs> also known as Leap Day. Technically, it doesn't exist except every four years. Um, it's the 60th day of the year in the year of our Lord, 2016. There's about 306 or so of these days left. Uh, Leaplings born on this day. We were talking about Leap Babies. Uh, Pope Paul III was born in 1468. Uh, Rossini, the guy who did uh, famous operas, Italian pianist and composer, 1792. He was born. Jimmy Dorsey, big band saxophone player. Band leader, I think Frank Sinatra was in his band. Jimmy Dorsey, the Dorsey Brothers, 1904. And Dinah Shore, see the USA in your Chevrolet. Uh, she was born in 1916. She was a leap baby. But it was on this day in 1892, St. Petersburg, Florida actually was incorporated. And on this day in 1916, child labor in South Carolina, the minimum working age for factory mill and mine workers raised from 12 to 14 years old. Now, let's just take that in for a second. 12-year-olds going down into a mine. I know. Getting coal or whatever it was out. They Mm. weren't bringing gold out of there. but Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Amazing. 12. 12. No, they raised it up. Okay, that's too young. Now you can be 14. 1940, uh, for her role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind, Hattie McDaniel became the first American, African-American to win an Academy Award. She's the one who said, I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. Oh. That was her line. Well, All right. among others. On this day, February 29th in 1988, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu is arrested along with 100 clergymen during a five-day anti-apartheid demonstration in Cape Town. And now you know exactly where it is that you have been. We're going to take a little break here and come back and mess around a little bit. Mr. Robert Garrison, historian, author, lecturer, teacher in Ridgefield, Connecticut. He has a master's in religious studies, a whole bunch of stuff. He's going to come and we're going to talk about He's a smart guy. He is. That all-around smart guy. That's right. What are you doing, smart guy? <laughs> anyway, and a good friend. He's going to come back. We're going to talk about evolution this morning on your morning tradition. As we continue on into Leap Day, Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are. Living our faith. Welcome to Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com. It's your morning tradition. Uh, Mike and Lisa Austin here on your morning tradition, where we are. Living our faith. Uh, Joining us again, our good pal, uh, Robert F. Garrison. Mr. Garrison is a teacher in Ridgefield, Connecticut at uh, St. Padre Pio Academy. His uh, a medieval history expert. He holds a master's in religious studies. He is an author, he is a speaker, and he is our guest this morning uh, here on Your Morning Tradition. Mr. Garrison, it is our pleasure to have you with us again. Good morning, Mike and Lisa. It's great and, to be with you. So today we, uh, we're, we're talking about a little bit about science, a little bit about religion, and the the interesting thing that um, you know we 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 often uh, in today's world we often try to separate the two science religion they have they cannot re- they can't live in the same realm they're they're two totally different things totally negating the fact that the creator of everything created science <laughs> you know, we were just studying what the what he created absolutely they, true they fit together perfectly I, I, I'm sorry go ahead no that's it I just say it they fit together like a puzzle 
Yeah, it's, it's St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, faith and reason. Uh, there, 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 there is the natural world and all the, the truths to be discovered there. We haven't discovered them all yet. Uh, created by God. And there's the world of faith, where we have revelation and tradition. And as you say, since God is the author of all things, ultimately, they, they will all, you, we will see how they work together. I mean, it's like G.K. Chesterton and his love of, I think it's paradox. And he, 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 was, he made a, a career of, of, of that fact in, in human life and our human experience. Mm-hmm. How you can have two things that seem to be somehow different or opposed, but if you follow them down to their origins efficiently enough, you find out that they do either come from a common source or they lead to a common goal. So it's it's one of those mysteries of being human. I mean, not everything is 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 evident all at once. Um, you got to work at it. You got to study it, and you have to be open to the truths both of the spiritual order, certainly, and then of the physical order, because God made us creatures of body and soul. We're not angels, and you know we're not you know cocker spaniels. Right. We're human beings. We have it both. We have our animal side, we have our natural side, we have instincts, we have all that, and we have our spiritual side, which transcends that, and yet the two go together. Okay. And uh, in an individual life, let's face it, we may spend a lifetime having them work together the right way, but ultimately that's a well-balanced person. And doesn't it seem sometimes in a laboratory, I don't know, when you hear reports come out about this or that, or they're studying DNA, they're studying this, they're studying that. I don't care if they're trying to find a cure for cancer or whatever. Um, and and God love those guys who do, uh, because cancer runs in my family, and and I, I just I, I appreciate the the research that they do. Okay, but and I got a whole other take on that, but we won't get into that. But but doesn't it seem that the laboratory, the scientists in the laboratory, sometimes they will go and they will go until. They can either take the information they get and make it look as though they came up with the, the the conclusion they were originally looking for, or they go until they do come up with the conclusion they're looking for. I don't know. It just always seems like they're never wrong. Scientists never come out and say, you know what? We were wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, that, 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 that's very true. I'm sure there are some that do, and they're probably very humble and decent folks, and you'll never hear about them. Yeah. Because they're not, I always love the English expression, they're just not very sexy. <laughs> you know, we, we, we want the, the, the trailblazer, the bad boy, the, the nonconformist. Somebody who says, gee, I made a mistake. That's not what it was. Uh, it's like, we don't, who wants to hear that? I, I think of an example. Oh, who was it? Which one was it? It was one of the supposed um, fossils in the evolutionary chain. And it wasn't Piltdown Man. It wasn't Peking. I think it was Java Man, I think. Java Man... Some remains found in Java by, I believe he was a Belgian um, anthropologist, archaeologist, bone hunter, whatever. He found, like, um, as with so often is the case, a, a bone laying there, fossil bone, mm-hmm. and it was uh, seemed to be human-looking. May have been a piece of a skull or something. And two, three, four feet away, the leg bone, which was obviously not human. Now, what supposedly looked like, I don't remember. But he put the two together and said, ah, two little pieces of bone. Here's a link in the evolutionary chain, Java Man. And everybody immediately picked that up, ran with it, and made them, from the two bones, they immediately came up with a full-body representation of this Java Man. And the only problem is, within a year, I think, or so, 
he didn't like doing it. He was a little unhappy having to do it, but he was honest enough to say, you know, I made a mistake. It's it's the skull cap of some ancient human, and it's the bone of a, an ancient, I don't know, whatever it was, gorilla or horse, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't human. And he, he admitted it. He didn't like admitting it, and he kept trying to see if he could go find more, but he admitted it was not accurate. So did Java Man disappear from all the charts in the books and uh, like that? This was in like 19, this was right before World War One, so it's pre-1914. Okay. Java Man remained in the books, the science books that kids learn from, um, any presentation on evolution, it remained there. It remained in the, in the uh, Museum of Natural History in New York, one of the greatest of all, until 19, I think, 85. Wow. When somebody finally said, oh yeah, somebody finally said, but didn't the very discoverer of that said he made a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, 1914 to 1985, three generations of people, at least millions and millions of people, have learned that Java Man is one of those indissoluble links in the evolutionary chain, except he didn't exist. Mm. What a lie. Right, and and you go and, with, the, and you mentioned Piltdown Man, Peking Man, if I remember right, they were proven to be hoaxes. Piltdown Man was, you know, they, they had these two pieces, and they, you know, they were all getting all inked up about it, and then somebody finally said, let's actually examine them. So they did physical examination, so they drilled in to take a specimen, and they drilled into one, and it was a fossil and stone and all that. They drilled into the other, and they immediately started smelling burnt bone. And they're like, wait a minute, you can't have a fossil and an actual bone from the same creature. Because fossils, it takes a certain kind of time and pressure to create, and bones, if they're still extant bones, are organic material. So they can't be the same thing. Then they noticed that the uh, the bone had sort of been, shall we say, doctored to kind of sort of look like the fossil. Uh-huh. Oh. And yeah, and that one that one also was in books for a while. Still, you look up Piltdown, I've been told you look up Piltdown in some English dictionaries and you'll actually still see a little drawing of the supposed Piltdown man. The best was, I, and I forget the state, they discovered a tooth a fossilized tooth somewhere in our country in, like, I don't know, the Midwest, Arkansas. I apologize. I don't remember the state. So from this tooth, they constructed a creature that they called, and again, the place, if it was Arkansas, it would have been Arkansas Man. And it was like, this didn't last quite as long, because finally somebody analyzed the tooth. It was the tooth of a pig. (laughs) Now, you know, Okay, they, they they gave up on that one pretty quick. Um, and again, I apologize for remembering the yeah, actual but name. You know what? In their defense, I have some relatives that in, in, in hundreds of thousands of years, if they ever dig up some of my relatives, they're going to say, hey, that's a tooth of a pig. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I, that's like a researcher that has passed away who's not quite of our ilk, but he, he was an honest researcher in a lot of ways. Certainly went in, in investigating the whole issue of evolution and how we developed, um, <laughs> he would look at some of these charts and he says, one of the, um, one of the tricks they pay, play when they find a, 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 a skull, let's say, mm-hmm. is they'll find a skull, and that's all they'll have, and they will create the entire creature out of it. And they always manage to put an obviously ape-like skull on a body 
that looks humanoid, so that it does it looks like an ape with a human body. Um, whenever they put bones together, they always play little tricks. Like they will. The, one of the big differences between primates and us is the length of the arm and the length of the sections of the arm. Right. Primate arms they go down like below their knees. Ours don't, and they always manage to like kind of lift the shoulders on these things so the arms don't look quite as long as they are. Mm. They play all manner of little nifty games huh. like that. And the other thing is, is he goes, when they were getting back to genetics, when they, they talk about the genetic differences between, well, you know, there's only a 0.2% difference between a human being and an orangutan. Well, I, I don't know. I think there's only like a 2% difference between a human being and a, and a squirrel. <laughs> and all that means is we're made... I mean, born of the earth, we're made out of the same stuff. Right. Guess what? That's really not odd. So, um, <laughs> well, I always, you know, they, we play games. I always thought it would be fun, as 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 a a guy who plays with video a little bit, is to do a fake documentary to show and and but let's do a little a little uh, uh, fifteen minute bit. Uh, we'll go a thousand or or even ten thousand years into the future, and we'll have. Archaeologists discovering, say, uh, a hotel. Okay, they discovered a Barry Motel <laughs> from our era, <laughs> and what they find is this television on the thing, and they find the beds, and they come up with all these wild conclusions. Like apparently, this was some sort of altar, <laughs> and and apparently they had multiple altars in multiple rooms. So this was exactly. this this is a cathedral, is what we've got. <laughs> or maybe this was this was a monastery for individual hermits with yeah, their private it. altars yeah. in their room. <laughs> yes, you can come up yeah, with all kinds of stuff. Don't put anything past what they'll come up with. Well, fun. you know that, that, that's that's the way it is. And just to, to give you that little bit on 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 how science and faith do not necessarily have to work at odds, and they and they don't have to. They don't have to. A scientist doesn't have to work to pursue his work. And speak in theological terms all the time. All right, right. That, that's the topic. Science is science, and it, it has its own integrity, and it, and it is its own thing. Uh, and so too with theology. Theology has its own thing, and then there are places where they come together, and they're really describing the same truth. If we're honest about it. Mm -hmm. And the one I love is with in, just to keep with the evolutionary case is doesn't the whole problem with evolution and those who believe in it. First of all, it's, it's a scientific thing. Belief shouldn't be a question. Um, the little external things that you started by saying it. If we follow the scientific method, it's like empirical observation leads you to think, you know, something could be true, and then you look into it, you get more empirical facts, more data, and, and that's how you build a scientific theory. Mm -hmm. And when you eventually have enough that it's pretty much irrefutable and can't be can't be any other way or you can experiment and you always get the same result, mm -hmm. that's when it starts rising to the level of a law. We have the law of gravity. And nobody argues with it, because it's demonstrable. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't speak of the law of evolution yet, because it is still a theory. And when you study Darwin, what I, what I didn't know is, like, I remember saying this to one person, and they hit me with this, and I'm saying, what are you talking about? Then I looked it up. I said, well, yeah, theory of evolution was come up with by Charles Darwin. He said, well, it was come up with by Darwin, but by Charles. I said, excuse me? What do you mean? Well, it turns out, and I forget his name again, forgive me, his uncle or his grandfather or whatever was was a poet and a philosopher. And he was particularly enamored of some ancient Greek philosophy 
that actually came up with the word Adam as the tiniest thing that stuff is made out of. Hmm. So those ancient Greeks were not dumb. Hmm. But they, they also came up with this notion that, that everything that exists gradually evolved from single atoms and just randomly got stuck together. and all. So this notion that is at the heart of evolution didn't come from Charles Darwin. It came from, I don't know, his grandfather some, or uncle. Some weird uncle. And it came from Frankie ancient Darwin. Greek philosophy, which, by the way, the ancient Greeks didn't think all that much of. Now, he goes to the Galapagos, because most people think, ah, he went to the Galapagos, saw all these strange animals, and started thinking and said, wait a minute, evolution. But it didn't happen that way. He had an idea about, I guess, what he was thinking of as evolution, and he went looking to find the facts or the data that would possibly prove his preconceived idea. Now, I'm not saying that can always be wrong, but your preconceived idea should have some empirical basis for it, and not a you know a twenty five hundred year old arcane Greek philosophy, which had no empirical data behind it. Um, and then the Darwinian thing comes all the way to where it is today, and and we're now even Darwin. I some people say I had some doubts because in his first edition of the book. You know, he has the whale, the bear becoming a whale. He saw no reason that couldn't happen. From his last edition, he took that out. Oh. Young, kind of a sign that maybe he thought that was going a bit too far. Yeah. But, um, hmm. it, you know, it, 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 it's to this day, uh, the differences that w- that you would need to show for evolution to be correct, like when they show those stages of the, the different apes progressing toward man. Right. One of the problems they have and you wouldn't know they have them because they won't talk about it, when you finally get to a creature that is human, next to a creature that wasn't human, you have to look not so much at the outward appearance that you see, and this, again, this was this researcher I was talking about, he says, you got to look at the bones. You have to compare the bones. And I don't mean, like, do they have five fingers? We have to look at the bones. Because if you compare a primate bone to a human bone, it's like comparing... I don't know, the handle of a pickaxe to a pencil. Oh. We have different kinds of bone, not just that they're made up of the same genetic material as is anything on this earth. They're just different in kind. There is no way. Ours are, if you just look at them together, smaller, weaker, less useful. Now, evolution is supposed to produce better and more useful. That's the rationale behind it. Well, if we went from Mr. Primate to Mr. Original Man, hominoid, well, we got worse, We're going and yet we survived. But We're would, going wouldn't they say? Wouldn't they say though, uh, Robert? That wouldn't the now? I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here on their side. <laughs> wouldn't evolutionists say, well, we actually did get better because we came out of trees and we no longer needed those kinds of bones for swinging in trees, and now we needed more adaptable hands and bone arm bones for using tools. Yeah, well, see, that that would be something they'd say, but again, as we discover more and more, and this is, especially since we've dis- the science of genetics has developed, and the ability to see the cell, and again, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, I can only repeat what other lecturers and scientists I've heard them say, uh, one little factoid that is a little bit of a monkey in that wrench, as Bruce Willis would say, um, is that Genetic change 
it, it all comes down to information. Information is what makes the cells do what they do. Before the cells can do what they do, they have to have information to do it. Now, genetic change causes a decrease in information. And that's from a world-famous geneticist that said that's been proven for the, with experiments over the last 500 years. So how does the human end up with more specific information than the being supposedly that came before it? Okay. That's the great mystery at the moment that genetics is bringing out. They can't account for where that extra information comes from because it's not produced naturally, and it is pretty much flies in the face of all genetic, call it that today, experimentation of the last 500 years. A yep. uh, very simple one that I think everybody knows is, is hybridization. We've been hybridizing right. things for thousands of years, from plants to animals. Right. And hang on to that thought, Robert, because we're going to take a break and come back here on your morning tradition and talk about that and more about evolution and science and religion and history and how it all really does sort of fit together. Mike and Lisa Austin here on your morning tradition, Magnificat Radio at MagnificatMedia.com. News coming up with Stephen Cox here on your morning tradition, where we are living our faith.